Hello, this is Jeff Barnum reading the Supreme Court Opinion Syllabus in Moak Mall Holdings, LLC versus Transform Holdco, LLC et al. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Argued December 5th, 2022. Decided April 19th, 2023. The question presented whether 11 United States Code Section 363M of the Bankruptcy Code is jurisdictional arises in the context of the Chapter 11 bankruptcy of Sears, Roebuck, and Company. Sears sold most of its pre-bankruptcy assets to respondent Transform Hold Co. LLC, including the right to designate to whom a lease between Sears and petitioner Moak Mall Holdings LLC should be assigned. Moak leases space to tenants at the Minnesota Mall of America. The agreement with Transform required Sears to assign the lease to any assignee duly designated by Transform. When Transform later designated the Mall of America lease for assignment to its wholly owned subsidiary, Moak filed an objection with the bankruptcy court, arguing that Sears had not shown adequate assurance of future performance by the assignee as the code requires, section 365, subparagraph F2B. The bankruptcy court disagreed with Moak's adequate assurance argument and issued an order authorizing the lease assignment. The code contemplates that interested parties like Moak may appeal such an order, but the effect of a successful appeal is limited by section 363, subparagraph M, which states that the reversal or modification on appeal of an authorization under either section 363, subparagraphs B or C, of a sale or lease of property, does not affect the validity of a sale or lease under such authorization to an entity that purchased or leased such property in good faith, unless such authorization and such sale or lease were stayed pending appeal. Fearing the implications of a 363M on an appeal, Moak sought to stay the assignment order. The bankruptcy court denied the stay, reasoning that an appeal of the assignment order did not qualify as an appeal of an authorization described in paragraph 363M, and emphasizing Transform's explicit representation that it would not invoke 363M against Moak's appeal. After the assignment order became effective, Sears assigned the lease to Transform's designee, and Moak appealed the assignment order. The district court sided with Moak on the adequate assurance issue. Transform filed for a rehearing, arguing that 363M deprived the district court of jurisdiction. The district court determined that Second Circuit President bound it to treat 363M as jurisdictional and dismiss the appeal. The Second Circuit affirmed. Held, Section 363M is not a jurisdictional provision. This case is not moot. Transform argues that this case is moot because MOAC's ultimate relief hinges on the bankruptcy court's ability to reconstitute the Mall of America lease as property of the estate, and no legal vehicle remains available for undoing the lease transfer under the code or otherwise. A case remains live as long as the parties have a concrete interest, however small, in the outcome of the litigation, and it becomes moot only when it is impossible for a court to grant any effectual relief whatever, to the prevailing party. Chafin versus Chafin. In Chafin, Moak simply seeks typical appellate relief, and it cannot be said that the parties have no concrete interest in whether Moak obtains that relief. Transform's response, which Moak vigorously disputes, is that 
any ultimate vacatur of the assignment order will not matter irrespective of the court's answer to the question presented. This kind of argument is foreclosed by Chafin. This court declines to act as a court of first view to determine if transform is correct that no relief remains legally available. Section 363M is not a jurisdictional provision under this court's clear statement precedence. Congressional statutes are replete with preconditions to relief, such as filing deadlines and exhaustion requirements. Congress can, if it chooses, make compliance with such rules important and mandatory, but that does not, in itself, make such rules jurisdictional. Because the jurisdictional label is consequential, and has sometimes been loosely used by this court, this court has endeavored to bring some discipline to this area. This court has clarified that the jurisdictional label bears on the power of the court, rather than on the rights or obligations of the parties. The court will only treat a provision as jurisdictional if Congress clearly states as much. This clear statement rule does not require Congress to use magic words, but Congress's statement must be clear and not merely plausible or better than non-jurisdictional alternatives. The court identifies nothing in Section 363M's limits that purports to govern a court's adjudicatory capacity. The text does not address a court's authority or refer to the jurisdiction of the district courts. Instead, the provision takes as a given the exercise of judicial power over any authorization under subsection B and explicitly contemplates that appellate courts might reverse or modify any covered authorization, even though a reversal or modification of a covered authorization may not affect the validity of a sale or lease under such authorization to a good-faith purchaser or lessee under certain prescribed circumstances. This is not the stuff of which clear statements are made. Rather, this court has treated similar statutory caveats as significant evidence of non-jurisdictional status. Given 363M's clear expectation that courts will exercise jurisdiction over any covered authorization, its text can be read as merely cloaking certain good-faith purchasers or lessees with a targeted protection of their newly acquired property interest, applicable even when an appellate court properly exercises jurisdiction. Section 363M reads like a statutory limitation that is tied in some instances to the need for a party to take certain procedural steps at certain specified times. Statutory context further clinches the case. Section 363M is separated from the code provisions that recognize federal court's jurisdiction over bankruptcy matters. And unlike other code provisions, 363M contains no clear tie to the code's plainly jurisdictional provisions. That 363M issues directions does not suffice to make it jurisdictional, as the court routinely holds statutory commands non-jurisdictional, notwithstanding emphatic directives. Transform's creative arguments do not excavate a clear statement from 363M's unassuming text. First, appealing to supposed traditional principles of in-rem jurisdiction, Transform insists that 363M is jurisdictional because it reflects those principles. This follows, Transform says, because Section 363M operates to ensure that, absent a stay, courts cannot disturb a transfer to a good-faith purchaser, thereby confirming that the court lacks a basis to exercise in-rem jurisdiction over it. Setting aside Moak's credible retort to this argument, Transform's contentions merely offer a reason to think Congress intended Section 363M to be jurisdictional. 
that, without more, does not show a clear jurisdictional statement. Second, Transform maintains that former Federal Rule of Bankruptcy Procedure 805 was understood to be jurisdictional because some appellate courts relied upon it to dismiss appeals that challenged the validity of a sale without a consideration of the merits. Transform says that Congress transplanted Rule 805 wholesale into Section 363M. But this argument fails at the gate. Every lower court case Transform cites for support predates 363M's 1978 enactment, and thus long predates the court's modern efforts on jurisdictional nomenclature. The court routinely rejects such arguments, and does so here. Vacated and remanded, Justice Jackson delivered the opinion for a unanimous court. Thank you for listening. If you wish to communicate with the podcast, please email us at scotusdecisions at gmail.com. That's scotusdecisions, all one word, at gmail.com.